Episode 26 of Horror Dads. What's it's up? It's me, Jamie. <laughs> James. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. This is a really good episode. We've uh, got cooked up for everybody. We interview our brand new friend, Joel Herrera, and we're going to get to that momentarily. And we focus this uh, specific episode on horror films that either inspired comic books or um, were inspired by comic books. And um, we we hit three of Joel's favorites, and he's a really talented uh, graphic artist, a very uh, traditional uh, sort of artist, and he's got a real knack and niche for the illustration, kind of like comic book-esque sort of style, and he's really fucking talented. Yeah, his style is incredible, and uh, the topic in that choice that he chose of movies is fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad it's something that we never really focused on. Yeah. It's and exciting to kind of dive into it. So we, we only talk about three movies, but two of the three we talk about we've not talked about on this podcast yet, which is fun and exciting, so... Uh, stick around for the end to get to that. But before we do uh, our interview with Joel, we're going to do our standard... Normal shit. Our normal shit. So what do you got going on, bud? What's up with the fam? Uh, oh, so we got a dog. Yeah. yeah. We got a dog. Bo Bridges. Bo... <laughs> Bo Detective Bo Neville. Oh, here we from go. From Scooby-Doo on Zombie yeah. Island. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love animals, but he's a pain in the ass. He... He, it's it's tough. He gets up at six a.m. I told you guys not to get a dog. He bites the kids. Um, he uh, he bites the kids. He bites. Does he? He he latches on to Luna's diaper oh, and no. she screams at the top of her lungs. It's tense around here, dude. Uh, I mean, he's sweet and he's cute and he'll he'll be fine long term. But yeah, we're we're in the mix. Yeah, he'll be yeah. fine long term when he's fucking sixty pounds more than he is now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but we got a dog and. Jesus. Things are great, but um, in addition to that, I did have a funny antic story to tell. Uh, this Freddy Krueger uh, toy I have to my left here on um, yeah. top of the speaker in the podcast studio uh, is something my stepmother bought me for uh, my 2005 high school graduation. Uh, and that thing is badass. It's like two foot tall. Yeah, dude. And... Both my daughter and your son, Finley, who's uh, six, and Ryland, your son, who's seven, yeah. when they come down here and I'm working, they obsess over it. But I have that uh, Kids fake... always obsess over the stuff that's kind of like a little bit too scary for them. Well, they always kind of obsess over that. Today, Finley comes down, she looks at him, and she goes, is that horror pointing at him? And yeah. I was like... Yes, dear. Yeah. It actually is. Yes. And she picked up this fake uh, Jason Voorhees machete that I have lying next to him. And <laughs> I was like deep in like working on my computer. And I looked up and she was holding it over me and she goes, dish, dish, dish. And she hit, was hitting me with it. And I was like, all right. Oh, so she was hitting you, not him. <laughs> no, okay. me. Yeah. I thought maybe she was slicing and dicing Freddy over there. <laughs> I was like, get upstairs. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so it was a fun little interaction. We That's had. cool. <laughs> yeah. What about you, man? What's going on with your fam? Uh, dude. So not really too much new. Um, we just got the kids bunk beds. 
yes, that you helped be, us build. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so my seven-year-old has been, I think I mentioned this before, he's like obsessed with Stranger Things. Yeah. He got this buttload of uh, Stranger Things stickers. I don't know who got him these. I think it was, it was like your a, mom. It was like a, a, like a pack of like 50 stickers. Um, so like his workspace now for school is covered with like, so his background of his computer, we got him a computer, like his own thing for school. Yep. The background is stranger things, you know, Demogorgon. Um, and then like his desk now he adorned with these stickers. So, um, his space is this just fucking like stranger things space. And it's amazing. Yeah, dude. I, I like, honestly, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Like if they were like, Hey, your kid, maybe when he's seven, will like love stranger things and have stickers everywhere. And like, <laughs> come on. But like, no, he really does. And it's fucking cool. Yeah, I saw his uh, little space the other the other day when I was over there, and I was like, "Dude." Yeah, I remember you coming up to me, and you were like, "Dude, these fucking like, stickers!" You came upstairs, and you were like, "Dude, Ryland's stickers all over his desk," and I was like, "Yeah, no." That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and Joel, who we interview in a few minutes here, is also a horror dad. Um, he's got three kids, and we we talk a lot about that. So, uh, that's fun. But uh, what have you been watching? buddy so i posted a uh, story on our instagram i watched this movie called fingers it's on shutter it's from 2019 yeah. and it is goddamn bonkers um i can't really even say too much about it i guess because it's fucking i'm, I'm not sure what to say you didn't have you watched it? i haven't but like stylistically what what are we talking is it like so it's very indie okay um I almost the problem is the guy from Greasy Strangler is in it, so it gives me a lot of Greasy Strangler vibes. Sure, sure. Uh, the the comedic tones and the horror is definitely there. Definitely there. Um, you know, the whole time you're kind of going like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah. Even at the end, you go, "Okay, so again, what the fuck did I just watch?" Uh, which is like still kind of how I feel. I guess I'll watch it again someday, but it is fucking, it's a bonkers movie. It's on Shudder. Um, I would, people have asked like, okay, so you said this is fucking crazy, but is it worth watching? It certainly is worth watching. Um, if Especially if you like low budget shit, like I do. Um, I know you typically don't. Like, yeah. you like low budget stuff, but if it's too silly, you don't typically yeah. love it. I like more serious this stuff. This movie is yeah. fucking silly. Um it definitely has its serious moments. It it balances, but it is fucking. It it has the guy from Greasy Strangler in it. Uh, so you haven't sold me on it. Artist. No, and yeah. I'm, to be honest, I'm not trying to. Uh, it is. <clears throat> so fingers. Anything else? Uh, but another one was Possessor. So it's 99 cents to rent on Amazon. Fucking spend the spend the dollar. But what what inspired you to rent? Rent it. I have been seeing this going around the Instagram circles Got it. Uh, about how amazing it was. Um, One, specifically, our buddy Horrorflix and Guitar Picks posted about it. Um, I kind of trust that dude at this point, his um, yeah. opinion. So um, I went, I was willing to spend the five ninety nine to rent it because that's typically what a movie costs on Amazon, yeah. right? Uh, but it was $0.99, cents, so, yeah. so I did it's worth it. it. And dude, so it's David Cronenberg's son, Brandon. He is, this movie is fucking, like, if I just told you the premise of it, which is like uh, an assassin that can take, can, like, possess 
someone else's body to commit the assassin. It doesn't sound like a horror movie. Uh, it sounds like some stupid fucking Antonio Banderas movie from like 1990. You're describing Desperado yeah. meets yeah. the movie Assassin. But this movie is actually fucking super fucking intelligent. It's super fucking uneasy. Um, you're never like, it's fucking like, oh God, it's gory and it's, you're never comfortable. Um, cool. I would highly recommend it, especially if you like those types of movies. Um, and then other than that, I started uh, like for my daily life, I restarted X-Files. And I'm just like submersed in that right now. I'm on like episode 18. And I'm just, you know, as anyone else who loves the X-Files like we do, I'm just loving that. I love the X-Files so goddamn much. Um, Which is why I am still working through Supernatural. It's 15 seasons. I think I'm on season six now. My wife came up and she was like, why don't you start uh, Supernatural? You talk about it on the podcast. And I was like, eh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I'll just restart X-Files. <laughs> so uh, to be fair, I think I've watched through X-Files probably three times now in my life. And I think I was about to start it again when I was like, oh, maybe I'll do Supernatural, which is yeah. like X-Files 5.0. Right. So uh, nowhere near as good, but I have been working through it. And uh, there's some points of enjoyment. There are some clunkers, but it's good. So I, I watch it and I've, you know, I mentioned on the last, uh, podcast, I got the Alfred Hitchcock book for Christmas for yeah. my stepmom and I've kind of been watching some, uh, Hitchcock in, in, in tandem with it. I need to do that as well. Oh, dude. Yeah. We're in, we have a, a Hitchcock, uh, episode in mind on the horizon. So we, we are going to, uh, address the master of suspense at some point as we should. Yeah. But, uh, so I also, what have you, oh yeah, go ahead. I also have, um, I don't know why I got an itch to watch it, but I, I hit an old familiar and I rewatched uh, killer clowns from outer space. Oh, dude. Um, typically that's a back to school, like fall, uh, watch for me, but I, I don't know. I got a, a moment of vulnerability and had a like eight minute period to myself and I put it on and. It was one of those things where it like looped three times that day, and I was like down down in you know the basement working, and it just was on and very comforting. So, so we're both uh, seasonal watchers of movies, but this is not a seasonal watch for me. This is one I can watch literally all, all year anytime. Round. Yeah, yeah, it's a goodie. I love that movie. Okay, so what have you been buying? So I haven't been buying a ton, but I did get two things. Uh, one I've been wanting and one I didn't know I needed until I bought it. So the first being the thing I w- I've been wanting, uh, I bought today. You texted me um, and said, hey, Scream Factory is doing a sale yeah. on all John Carpenter things. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I instantly raced to my computer and I was like, I'm buying the fog on Blu-ray. Because I bought it for Jamie a couple years ago for something. Christmas or some yeah. shit. Yeah. And I always admired the artwork and, you know, it's one of my favorite films. I don't have it on Blu-ray. And uh, I saw it on there and I was like, fucking perfect. So I snagged it and uh, now I I have it on Blu-ray. So You know, you know what's funny is I texted you and I said, uh, there's a John Carpenter sale going on at Scream Factory, so... If you're on the fence about anything, now's the time. <laughs> and what I really meant was, go buy the fucking fog. 
Yeah. And... Because I knew you didn't have it. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, you had the fog vinyl. I did not. Yes. Yep. So I went and bought the fog vinyl. Yep. Finally. Um, and I, oh God, I can't wait. I remember I came over to your house like last week. And I was like, wait a second. First of all, you and I consult each other on all these purchases. We can you never fucking told like, me. You never fucking told me you bought this. Have you tried these uh, uh, Cheddar Jack uh, cheese nips? Yes. Like we consult each other on everything. <laughs> Don't make jokes, John. I'm pissed right now. So I come over to your house last week. I see. I'm like going through your vinyls. I'm like, yeah, same old shit. Wait a second. The fog. I was like, John, do you have? The, you bought the fog, and you were like. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to not buy the fog. That's like what you did to me. <laughs> you never fucking told me. But like, I was like, oh, my God. What have I done with my life? So I, I bought that this week. Um, what well, else did you buy? I got one other thing I want to mention. Uh, I bought a coffee mug, um, another coffee mug. And I got it from our, our buddy who just started a new sub brand to a much larger uh, operation that he does, the Human Furnace. Uh, so the history of Kurt Russell's hair is a uh, little micro brand that's circulating through the world right now. This guy's got a, a <laughs> so good face, uh, uh, the Instagram page and shit. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking, it's funny, it's hilarious, and it's I love those guys. Exactly what you think it is. So he uh, he he creates merchandise that's centered around. Kurt Russell's hairstyles, <laughs> and I got a uh, R.J. McCready mug, um, which is basically a silhouette of McCready's hair so from good. The Thing, which is one of my favorite Just films of all time. his Instagram page alone is like yeah. enough to lift you up. Yeah, makes you happy. So yep. that's what I've uh, been buying. Excellent, man. So I bought, um, so I've been like, you You've know. have been buying. I've been, yeah. So I've been trying to find these different clothing companies. That Daddy Big like Bucks over here. Me. Yeah. Well, so here's what happened is I won some fantasy football leagues. Mine. Yes, yours. And for the record, and I know my wife's going to listen to this, everyone, so I, uh, I'm i the league admin for our the friend. Yeah. Uh, You're the commish. I'm the commish for, for both football and baseball for yeah. friend groups. And everyone pays me in advance for the season. And then I don't put it in a separate account. So I basically get like, 400 and you always 500 that, bucks yeah. and you just have that money and then three months go by <laughs> and on occasion you win you on, do it totally wrong most of the time you don't yeah and then it's like fuck now i, out now I have to pay bucks. it up yeah. i gotta pony up so jamie you were the benefactor to what like 250 bucks right yeah 240 or something yeah 220 whatever so who's uh, counting what'd you do with it <laughs> i bought horror shit yeah so what'd you uh, buy? <laughs> i bought uh so again, I've been discovering these new fucking clothing companies, Toxic Coffin in particular. Yes. And uh, Discount Cemetery are the two that I'm going to highlight tonight because those are the ones I bought from. I bought this goddamn fucking amazing Night of the Comet t-shirt from uh, Toxic, Toxic Coffin, Coffin yeah, dude, which is so, fucking, so good. Dude. And the fucking like the way that they ship my Night of the Comet t-shirt came with like a little pile of fucking comet dust. Yeah. dude. Just I, like, what? I saw. What? I saw what they sent. Uh, it's incredible. They, they were yeah. like a handwritten note, like, you know, like, keep up the great podcast. And uh, even if you never listen to the podcast, the note itself is fucking unbelievably appreciated. And, you know, it's a small fucking gesture, which goes a long way. Um, so I also bought, I did the Big Trouble in Little China 
Blu-ray from the yep. John Carpenter uh, yep. discount. It's one of those things where, like, I watch it all the time on Prime. I I own it on DVD. But it's like, now's the time for the upgrade. Um, and then I'll we, do the 4K upgrade next year when it's like $20 more. And um, we do a little discussion about physical media in our yeah, interview with Joel. We here do. In a and few so minutes. I, I also bought this shirt from Discount Cemetery, which I haven't shown you yet. I'm going to unzip right now the unveil. Okay, so what are you because wearing? Because I know that you'll love it. Let's see what you're wearing. He's standing up and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to do the unzip, fuck. Dude. Uh, so, oh my God. So, I made a comment on Instagram today to somebody who posted that shirt. I look like a fucking douche right now. So, he has a who will survive and what will be left of them, the Burbs t-shirt. And I, I'm honestly going to get in. And it's the a still of uh, Tom Hanks coming down the steps yeah, when... With the he's having the nightmare because he went to bed and uh texas chainsaw like i think texas chainsaw 2 was on when he was trying, right. trying to go to sleep uh dude that's a, a great shirt it's a dude it's fucking amazing very the cool. price is right on it very cool very very cool so our buddies in alone in the dark had posted uh so mike had posted that photo of himself with the um don't tell mom the babysitter's dead t-shirt on same same company yes and i had never heard of discount cemetery before that and i was like wait what the fuck is this i go to it see this burb shirt buy it instantly yeah i'm gonna buy the i uh, uh don't tell mom the babysitter's dead as yeah. well i actually i'm eyeing up that hoodie so very cool good well i have a a more uh independent artist on as well i've got um a couple weeks ago we mentioned the day on the last podcast, actually. I was say, let's but bring up the day again. I, I don't think that we discussed what we did. I don't think we talked about this. We did not. So our buddy David, we meant to. David Slobodnik, who um, we had on the show, who's a, uh, he's not a Youngstown native, but he lives in Youngstown now. He um, he did a basically like a. It looks like a Krampus sort of style, like a it's holiday that, like, shirt. Holiday, yeah. Fucking whatever, yeah. So it's a silhouette of a uh, Krampus esque monster he did in conjunction with um, our favorite brewery locally, um, which is um, Noble Creature Brewery. One of and, the guys from there, Ryan Adams. Yep. Collabed with him. Yep. Uh, our our friend Ryan uh, was involved in this, and they posted it on Instagram. <laughs> and Jamie and I were joking. We're like. We'll go down this afternoon and buy it. And then uh, I looked at my sister and I was like, "Can you watch the kids for a minute? Because like we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna go down." And buy we are this. gonna do it. So we did, and I've got that on now, and it's a great shirt and really good stuff. I think that brings us home, buddy, on our admin stuff. Yeah. So I think we're gonna start one thing new, right? Yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna try. Yeah, we're gonna work. We're gonna it. we're gonna try. Uh, so this is our twenty sixth episode. We're going to try to uh, expand a little bit upon like our typical reaches. And so we were thinking we're going to each, um, every episode, watch one movie, maybe together, same yeah. movie that we've I, never I think seen. Collectively, we're going to try and pick one film that we haven't seen, not necessarily related to the topic, but maybe we'll cover it on the intro. Right. Like, hey, we've something, something new. Not or, necessarily yeah. new, not... Not necessarily classic, just like something that we've never seen each of us uh, 
watch it together. Not even together, just like the same movie. Prior to the episode, yeah. 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 And uh, we'll give a quick uh, assessment on you know how we felt about it. So that, that'll potentially be a new segment we're going to look at. Um, we're trying we're gonna, to expand yeah. the concept a little bit. And if you have stuff you guys want to hear covered or talked about, please uh, feel free to reach out. Yeah, we need um, some feedback. If you guys, if there's something that we're not doing enough of, if there's something we're doing too much of, uh, if there's something that you might, if there's an idea that you might like to see or hear, let us know, honestly, so that we can incorporate that. But if your feedback is you don't want me to talk about the burbs as much, um, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I'm going I'm to keep doing it. But uh, please, uh, if you have the opportunity, um, join us on uh, Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star review. Uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Horror Dads, um, Twitter at Horror Dads, Facebook at Horror Dads, uh, or HorrorDads at gmail.com. If you want to reach out and uh, drop us a message, we're always available. But we've got some great new guests coming up, and we have a wonderful uh, guest today that we're going to interview here in a moment and i think we are through it so let's get at it man all right guys we're joined today by joel herrera he's a graphic artist illustrator and designer joel welcome man hey great to be on the the show i appreciate the uh, invitation yeah man we're excited to have you on yeah, and, and our common thread here is uh, a friend of ours um, who's been on the show before and we talk about almost every time, who's Matt Pepler, and he put us in contact with you. I know you guys are buddies. You've been doing some mashups lately, and the work's been incredible, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been a, it's been a great opportunity uh, to work with Matt. Uh, we talked about it here and there over the years, and and uh, now is the right time to do it, and uh, it's it's just been a blast working with him i don't do a lot of collaboration so it's been fun uh but i've got three of the prints that you guys matched up actually here down in the podcast studio right now i've got uh what is it uh, friday 13th part 7 um uh, design that you did and it's interesting because we had matt on really to discuss the the concept of like of atmosphere and location because that's such a prominent yeah like the background and the scenery and all of what he does Sure. So it seems like in your mashup, you, you're such a strong illustrator. Not that Matt is not, but your stylistically, like your illustrations, kind of plug into his scenes, um, which it, the mashup's great. So this Friday Thirteenth Part Seven, we've got one for the Thing, one for Texas Chainsaw, uh, and you did another one for Alien. Yeah, we did Alien. Uh, let's see, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Overlord. Oh yeah. Uh, and then we we actually just he just wrapped up a Halloween one that we I sent him about a week or so ago. He and, actually uh, he, he sent that to me last night and it looks fucking incredible and I can't wait to buy it. I haven't seen that yet. I can't wait. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was really you know the thing that I like about working with Matt is um, you know I I focus on like portraiture and and figures and you know it usually uh, corresponds with like natural colors. And uh, he he makes very vibrant work, and it's it's a color palette that I would almost never choose. And uh, that that in conjunction with uh, his minimalist style of working, um, it you know it required me to change how I think about what I'm going to do for him because uh, I I couldn't just do 
what I do normally or it wouldn't have worked well with his style. So it was, I considered it a nice kind of, you know, like a true collaboration. Yeah, dude, I, like now that you're saying that I'm looking at these and I, it makes sense. It makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, it's working. So yeah, keep it thank up. You. we'll keep buying and we yeah. are actually going to do uh, a giveaway. Uh, so and we're going to do a piece that uh, Joel did on a movie we're going to discuss. We'll give you more details uh, kind of toward the end after we talk about the film. Yeah. So uh, more details to come on that. Uh, it's been a, a minute since we've done a giveaway. So we're going to we're gonna talk about today, though, uh, as we mentioned in our introduction, uh, horror films that are either based off of uh, comic books or horror films that have inspired comic books. So we're going to talk about uh, Joel's three favorite in that sphere. Um, we talk about one that inspired a comic book, and we talk about two that were created from uh, comics. So really excited to do that. Joel, your work is so, like I had mentioned, sort of illustrator heavy, and um, it has like a comic book-esque sort of um, uh, twang to it, and it's, it's really phenomenal and incredible. But before we sort of start to talk about some of the uh, art and, and things like that, uh, let's talk a little bit about you, man. So you're, you're a fellow horror dad. It's not a prerequisite, but occasionally we, uh, we have horror dads on. So you know, tell us about your kids. Are they into horror? Is, is your wife into horror? Yeah, um, excellent question. I am definitely a, a fan of, of horror movies. In truth, I'm actually a, a fan of of all movies. In in, a, in Matt's description of me on his site, I think at the end I, I said that I'm I'm inspired by everything, and and that means like even the worst movies somehow I either find a way to justify something good about the movie or. You know, there's just something inspiring that's occurring in the movie. And, you know, maybe they didn't do it well or right. But, you know, I, I end up enjoying movies in general. And um, that being said, for horror movies, horror movies are a favorite for a variety of, of reasons. I like the, you know, the the mix of things that happen um, in them, the violence, the gore, the comedy, um, you know, whatever's going on in there. Um, to that point, my, my wife uh, is... Uh, absolutely not a horror fan. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't ever force her to watch some, even though, since my barometer is so far off, sometimes I'm like, "Oh, you should sit and watch this movie. It's pretty cool." And then so she's then eight like, minutes in, you're like, "Oh fuck, I forgot about this part. I forgot yeah, about this so part." <laughs> she'll tell me. She'll tell me. She's like, "This is a horror movie," and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't think it was." <laughs> oh. This is a fringe. What about your kids? Are are how old are your kids? So so I have three children. I have a, a nine year old, a seven year old, and a four year old. And um, mm. uh, they're all they're all tiny, uh, but they do enjoy horror movies. Um, uh, my wife's uh, thought is that they like horror movies because I like horror movies, which is <laughs> is is totally possible. On the other hand, there are some horror movies that. Um, they're not interested in watching. So I, I feel like, yeah, that's a great you know, point. Yeah. It's not know, like I, anything. I just, yeah. You know, they like what they like is, is where I'm at. But, you know, I try to, to gauge the right ones and introduce the right ones. Like, um, what's a good example? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you, uh, I guess your nine year old is probably more advanced. Uh, and I'm sure the nine and seven year old kind of, probably align a little closer than the four-year-old 
let me just speak for you and your kids <laughs> since I'm raising your children, apparently. So uh, it's like, um, I mean, it's probably a combination of things like uh, one on one hand, they probably take the nine year old's lead. Uh, yeah. So like if, if he's excited to watch it, they'll probably be excited to watch it. On the other hand, um, I can say at least two of them. Uh, the four-year-old doesn't seem to be bothered by anything, by the way. So, like, <laughs> I, I could probably put the scariest horror show on TV, and he would be like, "Ooh, look, a monster!" And then yeah, that the would... younger ones always seem to be that way. Our, both of our kids are that way yeah. too. Like, Jamie's youngest is probably He's the most three. immune to, yeah. yeah. And my youngest yeah. is three. And of our four that we have between the two of us, like, they're the ones that, yeah, will walk in Don't and watch not the screen. Exorcist and like, laugh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old though are familiar. We talk a lot about the behind-the-scenes stuff in mm. movies. Yeah, and so, we try so, to do that as well to make them realize it's not real. It's not life, real, you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so they see it and they're like, "Oh, how did they do that, Dad?" And then we'll like we'll talk about it and all this other stuff. And um, so, uh, I mean, but they're all they're all pretty good about it. But it's like a good example would be uh, of what I think is a good example for for uh, kids is you know like a good intro is the scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, yeah. That one was a decent intro. Maybe you know some stuff is not uh, kid friendly, but I'm I'm pretty I'm a little more lax on like language, and sure. yeah. uh, so we're, 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 the social pretty- element of like of a horror film, which is part of why I think we both love this genre so much. The the banter, like the yeah. kids in it, you know what I mean? Right. Like when yeah. the kids and when this yeah. when the the violence and gore and abuse the scenes of abuse aren't happening like their banter back and forth i hope to god my my kids have relationships like that with 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 friends like i hope it yeah. inspires them so yeah yeah absolutely and then so another one that's kind of an interesting balance for me is uh you know a quiet place is a is a great movie uh my kids definitely got tense watching it um yeah and it's not true true horror but it, it it's it not flirts. yeah it's it's yep. yeah that's and they get and they got invested they were invested in the movie which was great like i love seeing not just kids but anybody where they're like no don't go in there and uh <laughs> you know i'm like well yeah now i know that the the movie has your attention so like uh yeah. you know and i guess that's kind of those are sort of intros for me cuz like you said a quiet place is not quite horror but it's got elements of it and uh and they they handle it quite well yeah, no doubt. Um, so, are you? Uh, have you always been a big comic fan, especially like a, you know specifically a horror comic fan? Um, yeah, uh, comics, comics in general. I got into when I was a kid. Um, man, I would say maybe when I was eight years old, nine years old. Uh, you know, I hit the public library and found out that they had just like used comic books in the back in the library, and like you could trade them, and uh, that's how I got started. And and it was always like a a mix of, you know, not only just Marvel and DC and and but it was also just like horror comics and like crazy stuff from like independent places that that you wouldn't have, wouldn't have heard of and 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 honestly too, uh, the fault of the library totally inappropriate comics for children. <laughs> so so l- let me ask this question: Did your your family environment growing up? Um, did they did did your was your family like did they encourage 
you exploring that kind of thing, or was it sort of like you were doing it under the sheets with a flashlight sort of sort of deal? Well, uh, comic books they encouraged for sure. Um, they weren't uh, they weren't over my shoulder in any kind of way. So if I ever ran into something inappropriate, uh, I just kept it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you didn't have the uh, Tom Atkins from Creepshow. <laughs> Uh, uh, pulling the comics out from under your bed, yelling at you. That's what fathers are for. That's right. That's right. That's that's cool. Um, Yeah, I've been... uh, So I missed out on the comic book train just as a kid. It just was something that missed me. It was never your thing. No, it just never was. Um, And even the Marvel movies, I feel like you never... No, no interest. Yeah. Yeah, Just not my thing. Uh, But like my son, I've been really trying to push that on him uh, because he's, he's in art. Um, so I figured like, that's an awesome, like, first of all, it could be a great entryway to horror. Uh, second of all, it could be, you know, something that he may see down the road as a way to, you know, facilitate his art and his interest. So we, John's stepmom actually runs a consignment shop and she goes to auctions, uh, and she came into, you know, like a big stack of old comics. So she picked them up and gave them to my son who's seven. Uh, so I've been, you know, reading those through with him, and he slowly is gaining interest. But we'll go to the library, and I'll pick out graphic novels for him to try and read, and we found a Goosebumps uh, graphic novel. So shit like that has been really fun to try, and, you know, and him and I can read those together. And so I've slowly been getting back into the comic game myself. Dude, I, nice. have, I have literally, like, 600 comics on the other no, side No, I know, well. yeah. So we should uh, get those over to your house, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely I have fond memories of my dad. Uh, reading reading Daredevil with me. That was always his favorite um, comic book character was Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And, and mine was always uh, Peter Parker or Spider-Man growing up because I sure. kind of felt like growing up I had a somewhat Peter Parker-esque personality and it, yeah. it was cool to see the opportunity to like have that counterculture or that alter ego that was you sure. know, more more extroverted and then i became an extreme extrovert later in life so yeah um, right what about for you joel do you have a favorite comic book character uh definitely started with spider-man uh and um after spider-man i was uh, really very heavy into x-men for a really long time and um i would say the only reason i had stopped reading comics for a while was was really just because in uh in 92 after I graduated from high school, I went into the military and, you know, no comic books came with me. So yeah. there was there was a very long pause of comic books uh, in my life. Uh, let's talk about conventions. Do you miss them? Well, so so I I was the only time I ever went to conventions was just for fun to like meet artists. I never participated. OK, so you've never been like a you've never been a, a convention guy selling your stuff. No, no, not not at all. And uh, the the only thing that really happened in conventions, like when I used to go, the main goal of going to conventions was to get into the industry, um, make contacts and network. Yeah, like yeah, show my portfolio, uh, you know, meet the artists and stuff like that. And uh, you know, just for context, I'm I'm 46 now, so when I was doing all of this stuff, you know, I was in my 20s. Sure. And. Uh, and I thought that comics was like what I wanted to do, and uh, and then I had a realization that that uh, 
being a professional comic book illustrator or being in the business, in my view, is not an easy life to lead. Sure. And, uh, I was also um, afraid that if if I put in that amount of work for comic books that I would lose my interest in art because it's a lot of work. Yeah, and it like, becomes I'm, like commoditized and it's it's well, it becomes a job and yeah. not a passion anymore. Yeah. 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 No, it's funny how, uh, again, in any art form, sometimes what you aspire to be and sometimes what you dream of being, you grow to realize that that's not what you want to do or be. And you learn and find something else that you love out of that. And it's, you know, sometimes that's even better for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I had, I definitely had my shot. Uh, I could have done it. Um, I, I can, you know, regale you of a, a quick story if you like. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we have time for it, but. The, um, you know, I went this to is our convention. podcast, Joel. We have time for whatever, whatever. we like. Okay. <laughs> so I went to, uh, I went to, uh, the Rosemont convention, uh, when I first moved to Wisconsin after I had left Texas and, uh, and my friends who were all comic book nerds were, were, uh, and we were all trying to get into the business, you know, they had gone to conventions in the past and then, you know, they've been rejected like, like most people do. And, and they were telling me like what I should do and giving me great advice and telling me not to get down if I give my portfolio and it's either you know, either rejected or you know they don't respond to it at all or anything and and I went with with no real understanding of what was going to happen. Uh, I, I submitted my portfolio and they said you know they'd get back to the top five and. Uh, you know, I came back in the morning and, and lo and behold, like my, my name is on the top five list and I'm like, holy shit, what am I going to do now? So, um, cause you know, I, I skipped this, you know, they were telling me, you know, it'll take like three or five years and, and, uh, so I was already nervous at this point and, and I went to go talk to the people and I can't re recall who I talked to, but show them my samples. You know, I drew like some Spider-Man concepts and some like mystique from the, the X-Men and just uh, some sequentials, and you know, the guy asked me like right away. He's like, "How would you feel like working on uh, the Sp on Spider-Man book?" And I was just like, "In you know, as a professional, I was like, oh, 'Oh, I'd certainly be interested.' In my head, in my head, I was like, "Fuck, I don't want to do this right now.'" <laughs> so yeah, um, and uh, I told him I'd get back to him, and I and I never did because. Like at that moment, I was just like, I don't actually think I want to do this like professionally. Well, I told my dad we were going to be interviewing you, and I told him that you uh, were probably going to be in a comic book. So, so I am. You, I think I need you to do it just so I can. <laughs> so you don't look like so an asshole in front dad. of your dad. <laughs> No, I'm just I'm completely fucking well I did tell my dad that but I'm got messing with you. So so John, you lying I, little prick. So I do do work for a company in Chicago um called Devil's Do. And uh it's a small uh indie uh group but they've been doing comics for a long time and that's actually where Tim Seeley started oh, cool. uh, too. And uh I did. I've done a whole series of, of comics. I still do. I, I do covers for them. Um, uh, I started on the on this uh, satire of uh, Barack Obama uh, called Barack the Barbarian. And uh, 
<laughs> I did these very Conan the Barbarian style covers. I love uh, this. <laughs> Literally, like making the the most polished, uh, <laughs> eloquent speaker of all time a barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, let's see. And so the the most recent, I also did. Uh, they had a comic book called Mercy Sparks, which is. It's got a horror kind of angle to it. She's like a half angel, half demon. I, and this was at the time when I was doing a lot of uh, pinup girl pulp work. So, um, you know, very like bondage, damsels in distress kind of stuff going on in my work. And uh, but I've also done comics for like they made a comic called AOC and the Freshman Force. Um, oh, yeah, cool. I, so, so it's like satirical and but socially relevant to what's going on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, he's got another crazy, uh, sci-fi book out called arc world, uh, that I do work on and, and it's fun. Like I, I, I like to think that they, they like the work that I do, but I also, I, I think I'm okay with the fact that they know that if they're in a bind and they need work quickly, that they can come call They can call me. So, yeah. Yeah, there's, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with no, that. No, it's great to make yourself available sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, so in this light, uh, what other artists, and it doesn't necess- necessarily have to be relevant to the horror industry, um, but if you've got a few in there, that's cool. Uh, but are, are there other artists that inspire you or that move you or make you feel like you should be you know, approaching things from a different angle? I mean, yeah, there's there's countless, and it's not only from a, a regular, like traditional art perspective, but you know, even from a purely visual perspective, you know, like when we're talking about movies and stuff, um, you know, I think everybody's got their thing. Um, from a, from an art perspective, I lean I lean pretty heavy on on two things. Uh, one would be um, kind of the pinup era, era. So 1950s, 1960s era. Um, there's a guy, his name is Gil Elfgren. Um, he's a, he was a pinup Americana kind of, uh, hmm. artist. He, he was amazing. You, you've seen his work. Uh, he, he's, he did a version of the Coca-Cola Santa back in the day. Oh yeah, sure, sure. And, uh, you know, but he was known for like these, uh, voluptuous women. Um, so, that's where a lot of my thinking comes from. There's a lot of classical stuff uh, in terms of lighting. Um, so, um, you know, we've got like uh, Rembrandt's are, are big on my mind a lot of the time. That's actually one of the things that I was at least sort of thinking of when I did my witch print a, a while back. And uh, and then from comic books, it's it's you know, there's some some obvious ones. Jim Lee. Uh, was a big influence for me. Um, Mark Silvestri, Art Adams is like a huge influence on 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 me. And then there's just a, like a lot of new guys that make me feel. Yeah, I fell into a fucking rabbit hole uh, doing research for this episode and the movies we're going to discuss and the contributors to some of the comics associated with movies that we're going to discuss that I just was looking at how almost like incestuous the industry is and how there are so many players because as a fan you encounter any anyone on the street and it's honestly like it's Red Sox versus Yankees people are like are you a DC guy or are you a Marvel guy and it's like does it have to be this way and then yeah. you look at the 
the contributors in the industry and like there are so many people that have done like they do both every like all of it yeah, yeah. and it's it's yeah. uh it's funny to see it's like studio wrestling almost um right. where you you as the viewer and consumer and and the supporter of the industry you're like you 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 pick you, a side yeah you make a stance yeah. you put a stake in the ground and it's 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 That's cool good for the industry though it's fandom it is and it's i feel like it's good for the brain as an adult to be able to say like i'm going to suspend reality for a moment and just um because i I think an argument against religion all the time is like well that's not true that can't be and a lot of people say like just let me have this thing sure and this is that this is that in a different form uh where it's like no please just allow me to think that wolverine you know he yeah he is made of adamantium and yeah yeah yeah, I mean that's that's the that's how I feel about you know not only comic books but but movies. I, I I can't tell you how many people I know who watch movies that are are actually incapable of suspending belief. And it's it, crazy. It boggles me. I'm just like, can't you just like look at this and like appreciate it for what it is? And that's what I true honest to god love about horror is it is able to establish so often and you know a lot of times it doesn't, but in what. I think Jamie and I love it creates this place in time and you look at it and you're like, fuck, I know everyone around here is dying, but like, get me in this caravan with this group of friends that are listening to music too loud and drinking a Colt 45 in the back and driving <laughs> on a road trip to do whatever debauchery they're going to like you, you and get me on that raft floating down the river there. <laughs> I don't care that there's a man with shears waiting to gut us all. But that's what it is. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And there's there's an enjoyment to it that, again, you've got to res- uh, suspend that reality. So th- there's a link here um, to the world of comics and, and horror 100%. Sure. I wanted to touch on the pinup girl thing for one second. Um, sure. I, I've never seen this. And you don't have to do this, Joel. Like, if you don't want to get rich, that's fine. But uh, like a pinup girl series of final girls, I think that would be fucking amazing. Oh um, yeah, I've given it. I've given it some thought on multiple occasions. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to make any promises. But um, dude, I, it's something I think about for like sure. I would get a pinup girl Sydney tattooed on my. Like we we say the tattoo thing a lot. Like I'll get this tattooed on my butt cheek. But like I would actually get that tattooed like on my arm. Jamie's gonna send you some sketch concepts. It's gonna look like uh, it's gonna, it's gonna like, like Jamie. Quit sending me your butt cheeks. Like, quit. That looks like a crash dummy, Jamie. Is that supposed to be a? Is that supposed to be Sydney Prescott? That, oh yeah, no, you don't yeah. want to see my art. By no means a stick figure. Do you want the stick figure? Hey, oh, stick if that figure gets, Prescott. If that gets me to what the what you're trying to do. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with a, a stick figure. That you know when Matt. When Matt sent me his sketches for some of the layouts for the stuff, that's that's pretty darn close to what he sent me because we were just talking and he'd just sketch it up real quick. And, uh, you know, I'd look at his stick person and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know what you want me to do. <laughs> it's like a, it's a very uh, cheap stick figure with a very lavishly drawn like leather face mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Look, okay. the background is just fucking amazing, but it's a little <laughs> stick figure in there. What about, um, so we talked about artists that inspire you. Um, what about 
like horror merchandise is there any specific thing that yeah. you collect so john and i are like vinyl and blu-ray and obviously artwork and t-shirt guys is there do and you posters have like a, yeah. and uh rugs mm-hmm. and socks and wallpaper okay. and roof, right. roof shingles <laughs> i'm i'm primarily a uh a buyer of movies so if a horror movie comes out that i like i, I will definitely buy it i used to buy blu-rays and steel cases yeah uh, but i i personally i don't like the clutter anymore so i'm all cloud stuff now oh oh so you don't do the physical media not no not not anymore like i am uh you know i need what i i need in my house for my kids and my wife and my how to do my art but if I could throw everything away in this house, I would. Yeah. <laughs> also, the streaming and cloud media, like you're saying, is so much more practical because you can watch on any device. And my wife's like, honestly, you buy this fucking Blu-ray. It sits on the shelf. You don't, And I'm like, yes, but you don't understand. But I, She's like, yeah, but you can't watch it like just, in your office. You can't watch it in the kitchen. I'm like, I don't care. It so looks fucking awesome. Jamie's wife is my sister, so let me counter her shitty argument real quick. Um, And it's that there is a ceremony about the fact that you bought that John Carpenter Blu-ray on sale from Scream Factory and you waited for it to come and there was a delay and it got there finally and you have it in your hands and then you call your brother-in-law with whom you have a podcast and you say, dude, it's here. Grab a six pack. We're watching The Fog tonight. I know we've seen it 45 times. It's going to look slightly better than the last time we saw it but can't wait to do this so right that that i think is the essence of I physical mean, media you don't have to preach this to me i 100 percent agree you, know? you should divorce my sister <laughs> that's what i'm saying marry my blue race um, I, I know she's gonna listen to this episode so kate but you know what you know what sucks joel is john and i have had this Oh, God, we've been having this argument for a long time is like not an argument, but this uh, internal like conflict where we know that we're going to have to start buying 4K. Sure. And we're like, oh, fuck. Look, I this I just got Gremlins on Blu-ray, but I'm going to have to buy it on 4K like next year. And I already have it. And on, we're just uh, like, VHS we've been sweating DVD. about this slowly. Yeah. I mean, and that's I the problem with physical media. <laughs> it always like gets. Like all my vinyls, I'm gonna end up buying the CDs in like two years. Like, no, I I need the CD now. Yeah. No, you no, don't I, understand. It's called an MP3. <laughs> like you download it in 2040. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've I've been in that boat. You know, like, you know, I've had. I used to do vinyls. I used to to do the DVD, and then you know, of, of course, you know, there was the uh, the HD DVD wars for a little bit, and yeah. I had a little bit of that, and. Yeah. Now those are all worthless and I have my Blu-rays. But then, you know, one of the things that that did it for me was um, was uh, I I watch a lot of anime and I've been watching it. Once again, I'm going to clarify for everybody who listens. I am 46. I probably started watching anime when I was 10. So so everybody that talks about anime now, uh, you know, they think about it in now terms and I'm just like anime has been around since I was a kid. So like, I'm totally familiar with what you guys are talking about. And, uh, I used to collect a lot. I used to have a lot of VHS because I had like, like the OVAs and, uh, I got them from Japan and, uh, but then it just, 
when when it switched to DVD and Blu-ray, I was like, what am I going to do with all these things? And uh, that was one of the things that just made me say, I don't need to collect any of these things anymore. So, uh, so Joel, of uh, is there a piece that you've done that you're most proud of, painting and uh, just anything? Uh, excellent question. I, so, so we were discussing earlier about how uh, you know artists tend to be hard on their on their work. I'm definitely very hard on what I do. Um, I think I, I like a lot of little pieces and things that I do. Uh, and then specifically, I like them for about an hour or two. Yeah. Then after I'm done staring at it, I'm just like, this is shit and I need to put it away. Well, uh, the other, I, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, you posted that thing, uh, that drawing you did of Ridley Scott, or I'm sorry, of, uh, of, um, Sigourney. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sigourney yeah. Weaver from Alien. And, right. and I was like, dude, no, this is great. Really <laughs> yeah, her name is Ridley Scott. Uh, of Sigourney Weaver from Alien. And you posted uh, the the photo of it. And I was like, man, this looks great. And you're like, I think her face looks like Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the 60-second minute after you had <laughs> wrapped yes. it up. That's well, right. I still think it, it looked exactly like Sigourney Weaver, not Tim Curry, but... I also love Tim Curry, so. Yeah, hey, so, you know, I got the print, uh, like, a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't looked at it since I had done it. So when I looked at it for a moment, I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like Sigourney Weaver. So I was, I was okay. So you're good with it. You're at peace. <laughs> yeah. Well, we love your stuff, man. We love, uh, me specifically, I love the way that you portray uh, lighting in your artwork. Um, I think that's, you know, it's an underrated aspect of art is how you convey lighting and i think that you kill it go ahead and plug your stuff and let us know what your upcoming projects are and sure um so so i currently only have uh four pieces in my store my my website is is joelherreraart.com um the pieces that i have in there is the first one is a, a like a, a tribute to death proof which i actually plan on doing two posters for that at some point uh the I other saw one, the one that you did, it was fucking so good. Oh, thank you very much. And it's definitely kind of like a Drew Struzan inspired uh, kind of piece, but I, I wanted to make it my own without copying his his style because a lot of people do that, and they all do sure. it, you know, great. They're all fantastic at it, to be honest with you. Um, and then um, I, I did a uh, like a focal kind of portrait on uh, the crow. I did sort of the same with Aliens uh, because I, I personally, for, for the record, I prefer Aliens over Alien. Um, I don't know how everybody else feels like that, but that, about that, but that's me. You do know and Matt I, listens to this podcast, right? I do. I, <laughs> you know, I'm trolling Matt right now, so that's it's okay. essentially Joel saying, like, "Hey, Matt, I know you're here. Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna lose his shit. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see. Uh, and the other one is from The Witch, which I took a little bit more of a classical kind of fine artish kind of approach to. Uh, the one that I'm working on right now that I had to stop because of a little bit of a, uh, of a rut that I was in, uh, but I am looking forward to finishing it, is a, uh, a piece for the movie Midsummer. Oh, and, yeah, dude. Uh, I, I saw the concept drawings for that um, that you posted so I mean, there's so much of a canvas there. I feel so much with the flowers and 
John and I, by the way, are brand new like aficionados of that movie. Yeah. yeah. We actually didn't like it until <laughs> yeah, about three weeks ago. Um, really? Yeah, like we both had seen it when it came out and we were both like, no, this is not our thing. No, not we did not us. like this. And then we had to, uh, we had a guest on a few episodes ago that had us revisit this, Michael Potter, and we both were like, okay, well, we might love it. So. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, his discussion around it made me like it even more. Yeah, that's what I, that's another thing that I love about horror is like sometimes when you hear another person's perception of it and like, um, you know, overview of the movie and like what yep. they think about it. Sometimes you, you go into it, you know, maybe you had a tough day at work, maybe like you didn't have enough beers or something. And like, you just like, are just like, ah, eh, this movie's not for me. Maybe you're fucking around on your phone too much. Um, but right. sometimes like talking to somebody who loves a movie and hearing why they love it and their perspective, sometimes you're like, okay, well I'll, I'll rewatch this with that in mind. And then you're like, yep. okay, well now I love it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I like Midsummer. I like that, you know, they call them the slow burn ones or whatever. Um, sure. But Nowadays the, they're using the term like elevated or whatever. Yeah, highbrow high horror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just the symbolism was great. The visuals were great. And and uh, as far as the piece that I'm working on goes, uh, I'm I'm going for more of a Art Nouveau approach. Uh, Al- Alphonse Mucha uh, is my inspiration for that one. And um I don't know if this is a pro or a con yet, but um, I there are things that I do stylistically that are probably like me that people recognize. But at the same time, I'm kind of averse to doing the same thing over and over again. So I try to switch it up. Um, sometimes it's a mood thing and sometimes it's just because I, I want to try and do something else. So. You know, as far as that goes for my future in selling prints that are horror related or otherwise, you know, I don't I don't know how people will react to that or not. Well, you got two people that have about one percent credibility here um, (laughs) that are encouraging it and we're in and we'll be buying and we're going to do a giveaway of uh, that crow print that you had referenced. So, yeah, man, I think anyone that. you know, scrolls Instagram or uh, looks at art or knows art in any even small way like John and I, I think they know that you're the real deal and um, we're excited to see what you're going to come out with next. So, do we want to get into some movies? We do. I mean, I do. I do too. Let's do it. All right. So, so we know that you love chronologically ordered stuff, right, John? So, Jamie's looking at me to conduct uh, the way mm-hmm. in which we are going to describe Joel's three favorite films. So we are going to go chronological on this one. Sometimes we spice it up a little and go different order for a different reason. But it would have been fun if I like had Joel's number and I text him and was like, "Let's just fuck with John and do like the uh, reverse the, chronology. The, the middle one first. <laughs> John would be all flustered, like, "Oh fuck, I don't know what My to do." My cheeks are hot. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna lay down. All right. So the first one though uh, is one we've talked about on this podcast, and this is. Actually, a film that inspired a comic book the same year uh, that the movie came out. Uh, But it is 1982, directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King, Creepshow. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creepshow. 
author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doom. Yes. All right, so this is starring Hal Holbrook, Leslie Nielsen, Adrian Barbeau, Ted Danson. I mean, a Everybody. shit of people, yeah. Uh, star-studded cast. So You I, forgot I d- Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins, of course. Yeah, come um, on. So this is a star-studded cast, as we mentioned. It's loaded with a lot of different uh, anthology. You know, it's an, if you've not seen this, it's an anthology-based horror film. Uh, I think there are four or five stories that intertwine throughout it, and uh, an introduction and conclusion by Tom Adkins uh, being an abusive dad, uh, which is a little uncomfortable because I love him so much. But um, <laughs> it, it, it is a little <laughs> uncomfortable. But let's talk a little bit about uh, the comic book aspect, since that's sort of the theme of our episode. So I have a few notes, um, and then I'd love to hear you guys uh, weigh in on it too, but this is the only of the three that had a comic book come after the film. So correct. It was like the reverse adaptation. Yes. Right. Yeah. So Stephen King wrote the comic book, uh, that followed. And then, uh, uh, Bernie Wrightson was the, uh, illustrator, the artist that did the artwork. But this dude, I guess also did Swamp Thing um, he did a lot of the concept art for Ghostbusters. He was brought into the team for the visual design aspect. Um, and then he illustrated a shitload of, of graphic adaptations for, for Stephen King. Um, they worked together on a lot of stuff uh, for Future in Life. But um, much like we discussed earlier, this, is, this was a, a man without a, uh, an allegiance to any specific, uh, I guess team so he he did a lot for um dark horse comics a lot for dc a lot for marvel uh and and he was all over the map um so those are my notes what what do you guys have to say about uh the film or the artwork the um, one thing i wanted to say real quick is that i just love those fucking like flashes of uh the comic book illustrations like behind the characters at certain times i i just love that yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, for the longest time, uh, you know, the the correlation between comics and, and movies has been obvious, at least to a person that reads comic books all the time. And I, I'm sure it was was obvious to, to movie people uh, all the time, too. But um, the the melding of those two from a visual standpoint is really great. From a from an art standpoint, it, the allegiance thing is interesting to me just because of um uh, something you may not know just about artists artists when they get out of school or when they're just artists and they didn't go to school and they're trying to find work um co- the comic book industry was kind of always like a saving it, w- it was like salvation for artists because uh, there was always work to do for the comic book companies and um all these all these people were trained to do art but like they weren't able to get art shows and they weren't able to uh get their work out there and they still had bills to pay and the comic book industry was there for them. And it's crazy too, like in in that interest, I feel like there is just so much that can be again in suspending reality. Like anyone that enters this sphere understands like, all right, I'm just going to press pause real quick and understand like, yeah, I realized the last thing I read 
he died and the world exploded. However, we're going to do a quick reset. And Peter Parker's still 17, 80 years yeah. later. And yeah. and you don't bat an eye. You're like, yeah, no, I'm just going to roll with it. And I'm going to immerse myself in this realm. So, Would that be like um, in comparison to like an actor being on Days of Our Lives? <laughs> Stefano yeah. Demera, like yeah, and like yeah. No, I know that like that person was in a coffin for like seven episodes, and like they're back now. I get it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but this film specifically, the use of color, Jamie, the cutscene mm. aspect, um, and then I think the it's color show specifically too. on the crate, like how every blue time and he red, comes out, like, the blue and the red. Uh, the, it it's interwoven throughout the film for sure. Even the um, the first segment, the birthday one, um, I, it's just it's such a factor in this film. Color, it really and, is. Yep. And it's almost like you're watching a uh, live theater performance. Um, it, specifically, that first one. That first one, yeah. Particularly. Specifically, like the way that they even like come in on it, like you feel like you just started a stage yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're all standing there posed. But even like Adrian Barbeau's uh, performance in oh my the god, crate, dude, like, I love Adrian Barbeau, but I fucking hate her so much in this. Let's, she's such a good actor because she, she is, does yeah. her job, and you you're supposed to hate her, and you do. Um, Call me Billy. Everyone does. <laughs> Fuck you. And and even the last like the 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 guy that uh, is in the apartment in the the last uh, segment to. He he, the his interaction it's just so over the top. Like all of it's over the top, and it just it it weaves through yeah. fantasy and horror and this comic book world. Uh, I I I have to believe that Stephen King made this with the intent of the outcome being okay. Quick, we're gonna do a a comic book, you know, right afterwards. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that assessment. You know, a, a lot of what I think about for that specifically is, you know, uh, and it is. It is to match the cutscenes to a degree, but it's, you know, the lighting, I think, really emphasizes uh, what you just touched on. It just, it, it has a very uh, uh, comic book kind of feel to it throughout the, the whole movie. I wouldn't be surprised if that was his intention. Yeah, it, I think there's a certain, there certainly is a nod also to the Twilight Zone and the display of all this. Um, just because each anthology piece has it it's its own thing you know it's yeah like... it's it's funny that you say that just as as we were talking i i looked up it had me wondering when the twilight zone movie came out uh and it came out a year after creep show huh uh, and i i was i was thinking just for a moment that that creep show inspired the twilight zone movie's approach uh, because there are there are some similarities there for sure. I I completely agree. What uh, do you guys have a favorite segment on this one? Yeah, something something to tide you over. Yeah, something is, to tide you over. Yes, that's the one that, with Ted dancing. Is, yeah, uh, for Creep Show, that is the one. Yeah, that one's really good. Well, just because it might it might be more than anything else aside from the kind of gross drowned zombie thing that's going on. Uh, I think it's the the gross drowned zombie Ted Danson that I just can't forget. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I'm gonna agree with uh, Joel here. So I love the crate. I love everything about it. I love the 
the colors, the creature, the characters. But growing up, one of the first things I remember, like watching as a younger kid, is there's a there's a couple um, movies that I remember growing up to. But I remember like watching HBO late at night, way too young, uh, watching this specific uh, episode, and like just like the images of Ted Danson being buried, you know. Yeah, up to his neck and the TV and Leslie Nielsen being like because at the same time like HBO was always playing uh, what was the lethal weapon what was the fucking Naked Gun Naked Gun they were always playing Naked Gun uh, so sure. I knew Leslie Nielsen as like this silly fucking guy and I'm I'm sure like late at night fucking 10 year old me or whatever watching this shit on HBO was like oh I'm probably watching Naked Gun and it's shot and, like an episode and, of Murder She Wrote or Columbo or something, right. right? So it's like super approachable. And, but then, and then like all this like morbid shit is happening, and uh, yeah. then the zombies at the end, like the zombie sea creatures at the end, and so like this one sticks with me just because of that. Like I, as a kid, like this is something I watched and was like, okay, this is fine, and like going to like, oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I gotta go create. Yeah personally it just yeah i, I love that one so like if much. you're talking as 39 year old me now the crate is my favorite one right but for the sake of nostalgia yeah and exactly yeah i just i like the crate because it has a very reanimator sort of uh tone and film style to it and dude i love it the creature yeah what i'm, a, I'm a creature feature yeah. guy all the way you know like i i just yeah, i'm yeah. into creature features and no absolutely yeah so okay Cool. Anything else on Creep Show before we jump to our next one? No. I, wait, no. what's your guys' least favorite one? Jordy Verrill, one hundred percent. I love Stephen King to the so, moon and back, but I I think last time you and I we discussed this before with Darren Callahan, um, like episode four or something. Yeah. And I had said I think that was I believe I said that was my least favorite. I don't really recall, but upon rewatching this. They're creeping up up on you is my least favorite because I fucking is hate that the bugs. Last one? Yeah. yeah, the last yeah. one. I hate bugs. Um, this guy is just a fucking asshole, like an elitist oh. fucking prick. And I've worked in multifamily real estate, having to deal with people that you yes in Chicago you dealt with these fucking pricks. I that guy. But sure, everybody has these roaches. Like yeah. it's not just you. Like fuck off. There are spiders on the outside of my window. Uh, can you spray? It's like. Let me grab a 7,400-foot ladder Ugh. real quick and climb up there with yeah. bug spray. Yeah. No, fuck that. And, like, yeah. also that entire um, segment is just, like, his apartment is so white. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I hate it. Ugh. Well, that's, again, that use of color, like. Yeah. yeah. If nothing else, that's my least favorite just because of the color. All right, Joel, yeah. what's your least favorite? I mean, I think I have a, a, a love-hate relationship with Jordy Verrill only because I was aware that it was Stephen King uh, playing the role and uh, my my mind even then was just like this is this is too campy like of, a, of an <laughs> yeah, acting for me to believe it but then but then you know towards the end like I felt bad for him so it was like half and half sure you know like when, he, when oh. he's sitting in his when he's sitting in his couch and you know, it's it's Drinking almost like big bottles of liquor alone. Ugh. Yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is this is awful. It reminds <laughs> so. me of me when my kids and wife go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, well, that is Creepshow. Jamie, do you want to take us a few years forward to another movie? I do. All right, so we're now in 1994 with the fucking legendary classic, The Crow. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, just sometimes, the crow could bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. Gasoline, I smell. <laughs> All right, so this is directed by Alex Proyas, uh, starring Brandon Lee, obviously, um, Michael Wincott, Rochelle Davis. So this, what a fucking uh, a! I'm surprised we haven't had this come up yet. And B, uh, I'm glad we haven't, so that we can discuss with Joel because yeah. Man, um, but rewatching this film, I realized I I, I don't, and, and I know people are going to hate on this sentiment, but I'm not sure I ever watched this movie start to finish in my life um, until this week, and I rented or I watched it on uh, HBO uh, this week, and I literally sat down, did nothing else, paid stark attention to it, uh-huh. and. Um, like you've seen, I've seen like I've seen this movie yeah. in its entirety in in you know twenty minute Bits intervals, and pieces, yeah. yeah. Right. And um, what a powerful film, honestly. You know what's funny is sometimes something will m- just miss you, like you'll just miss it, yeah. and then you never, you just kind of don't hit it. Well, I was only so this came out in what ninety four. I was seven yeah. when this came yeah. out, right. so yeah. So like, there's no way there's no way you would have watched this when it came out. So yeah. But yeah, the, the movie is uh, it, it's a great movie, and I I, I also now in, in hindsight I make fun of it simultaneously just because you know I think about like goths and emo, and I'm like this is a movie that they all love to death, I imagine. Sure. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. So, you think about like Sting. Yeah. Oh, Sting from WWF. Like, like, Sting, yeah, dude. You, you totally yeah. just fucking ripped his shit off. <laughs> But no, I do think that this movie defined that that subculture because it did come yeah. out in like the grunge grime sort of era, and it created. And I I think Jamie, you and I are benefactors of of this subculture, whether or not. Oh, I mean, one hundred percent, yeah, one million percent. It created um, inspiration for how people dressed, for how people made music, for their approach for social relationships they had in school, like the also, influence. So the, I was a. In 94, I was 13, so I was in junior high, and I, w- I grew up in a very Christian household, so I would have never fucking seen this. There's just no chance. And, but yet, everyone I went to school with had, and so I was a very, I I very much saw the product of what you guys were talking about, the people yeah. that loved it. Um and you know, like had their nails painted black, and you came to school and you're they uh, wore the crow at school, and yeah. you pulled it yeah. off. Yeah, no, and you I was had there. Your, yeah, your like black turtleneck on. Jesus loves you sweatshirt, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was in a very d- different sect. But uh, yeah, no, I this was a fucking 
generational like film yeah and, and it defined a generation for sure so before we get into the comic element of this i do want to talk you want to get the tragedy out of the way uh the tragedy oh no no not not just yet I like how you looked at me like the tragedy. Yeah. What could what that happened? be? Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he Something really was very about this baffled film. there. Like, tell but, me more. But um, <laughs> or so, music, so we're saving the tragedy for later. Yeah. Okay. The music, the guitar style, uh, the guitar, the, the style. Like this has a whole, this had yeah. a soundtrack for the fucking it's that you. generation as well. Yes. I, and I think that that's a part of why people were drawn to this movie like not only was it an amazing movie um everything to go along with it but the music the soundtrack was like that was the time man the and nine it, inch nails and it flirted enough with like uh honestly like this movie visually looks like nine inch nails sounds like it's yeah. industrial sure. it's dystopian this movie's dark it was dark as shit everything's dark uh, this hits that grimy fucking yeah. uh, sludgy. If you listen to the show, you hear me talk about this way too much. The grimy like New York setting. I know it's Detroit, but um, I fucking love this like fucking city setting. Yeah, all this all this music. Uh, as an aside for myself, um, in '94, I was in Germany um, uh, doing Air Force stuff. But uh, from a music uh, perspective, um, I was deeply deeply into hip-hop which i had probably been listening to since i was about 12 or so uh but my sisters and my friends were heavily invested in you know the cure and stone temple pilots and nine inch nails so i was familiar with with all of the music um that was playing uh in the in the movie and it's I like a lot of this stuff now when before I, I never had given it a second thought, really. Yeah, it's funny, like, because it hits you in a certain time, right? And it's like, it yeah. is what it is in that moment. Right. So yeah. I don't think we mentioned the, the the movie's based on the comic book series by James O'Barr. Um, right. And he, like, he said that uh, a big influence for him, like, when he made this, uh, the, the comics was The Cure and Joy Division um, and bands like that, and like he based, uh, you know, the the crow, the character, off of uh, a lot of the imagery of the Cure, and I think that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, you know, the the best thing about the the series was the stark, the stark black and white uh, style that he went for uh, when he first started. It was just, you for know, sure. for me, for me, from an art perspective, that that's visually something that that was uh emblazoned in my brain and i think i read that it was like the best selling even to this day the best selling black and white comic of all time I, that's what i have which is amazing right here best selling independent black and white graphic novel yeah there of you all go time. so this th it came out in 1989 so i was two uh the <clears throat> you had mentioned the original comics were spearheaded by james obar right um and i guess the the genesis of this whole thing which makes it so sad and realistic is that uh james obar's uh girlfriend had died in a in a drunk driving accident and right 
this story is what they were high school sweethearts and fuck i i was doing so much research on this and i honestly i got like no it's depressing dude yeah and Brittany was my wife was like what's going on over there and i was like ah i'm just reading so after his (laughs) wife died he joined the marines because he was kind of like at a loss for what to do so he joined the marines and he was stationed overseas and found out that his hometown of detroit this couple had been murdered for the $20 uh, wedding ring that the woman had, or her her engagement ring. Uh, so that's kind of how this story came to, you know, that's the genesis of this story. Mm. Well, that's uh, fucking deep and sad and horrifying, but that entire mood and sentiment is experienced at this film. Um, yeah. Also, so like Devil's Night is portrayed, it's mentioned constantly throughout this movie. Devil's Night in Detroit was apparently a real thing. It started back in the 40s, I guess. Um, I guess in the 70s it became like super prevalent and then lasted kind of through the 90s. And like on Devil's Night, they would always like, there were arsons constantly throughout the city. Um, You know, fires just raging throughout. And it's fucking like crazy interesting to like look into and read about. That is. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's like, a, you know, minus all of the, the killing, hopefully. It's like the... <laughs> right. It's like the purge. You know, you get that one night to just let everybody let loose. Sure, which, yeah. Which is indicative of the state of... The state of uh, uh, what Detroit was in at the time and still kind of still is in a, in, a, in a way. I know people that, that work there but don't live there, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, also, I just want to point out real quick that Top Dollar, the main like bad guy, he was the sheriff of Nottingham's I was brother say, he, in fucking he's uh, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Robin Hood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in his fucking hair. brother, his hair brother. Oh shit! Prince of Thieves but is he, one of my favorite. <laughs> he's great in the movie uh, as as the main baddie, and um, you know David Patrick Kelly. Um, as the you know fired up guy T Bird, uh, yeah, yeah. you know he's pretty no, awesome too. He's one of the yeah. be- honestly of all the villains, he's one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah. And his For kill, sure. that whole scene is fucking amazing. Yeah. And let's just talk real quick for one moment about Brandon Lee. Not we don't have to get too sure. far into the sad parts of this, but like, and I think everyone's aware of it. What a charismatic human being, you know, like even with all the makeup on and everything, when he would smile, like the moments where he would smile, like just really a character that you're just fucking, you gravitate to, you're drawn to. And clearly the foundation of this film is like, you're designed to already feel for him and feel badly for him. But like his physical appearance and the way he carried himself through this film, um, just, he, he commanded it very well and he did Really great For job. sure, yeah, I read this tragic. amazing. Uh, I read this amazing article by this guy named uh, Clint Joslin. Um, he was saying that, amongst other things, like if you look up this article, it's fucking amazing. But one of the things he mentioned was that Brandon Lee would apply his own makeup, uh, like the night before, and then he would go to sleep and wake up so that it would already look like naturally like fucking worn yeah. and distressed. Yeah, right. Yeah, the movie. Uh, for as far as Brandon Lee goes, um, I think the movie was really in, uh, important for me in the respect that, like, I knew that that movie would really be his breakout movie. Like, I knew it because I had been following him 
you know, because of his father uh, sure, for a long yeah. time. And, and I was watching his movies with like, you know, equal parts excitement and like embarrassment because, <laughs> because he was working on it, you know, and the movies, you know, 80s scripts were like awful and the martial arts movies were, you know, just this weird, you know, let's, let's Americanize these uh, movies so that, you know, people will consume them. Sure. And, uh, but like he had that charisma in the movies and I kept seeing it get better and better. And I, and then when the crow came out, I was like, this is the one that's going to, to like get him where he needs to be. And then, you know, that's not what happened. All right, Joel, you want to bring us home with our last film, buddy? Yeah. As a, uh, horror-esque movies go i mean it's definitely horrible stuff that happens is is one of my all-time favorite comic book movies um yeah and it's it's one that a lot of people don't know was a comic book movie so so it's uh 2001's from hell Inspector, I know your reputation for making brilliant guesses that turn out to be right. Someone told me you claim to dream the answers. Sometime this evening, a bang tail was murdered in George Yard. That doesn't sound much out of the ordinary. It was the way she was done, Inspector. It was the way that she was done that cries out for a man of your talent. He can foresee the victims. I saw her. I saw her face. Your vision's about me. Most definitely. You know, they used to burn men like you alive. He could sense the suspects. He must be someone with money. That's right. It's, uh, so, you know, Johnny Depp. Heather Graham. I, I don't know if he was at the, uh, the peak of his uh, performance, but, uh, I mean, he certainly was really good in the movie. And, you know, the, the comic book itself is is written by Alan Moore and uh, some people may know Alan Moore is a uh, he disavows pretty much every single comic book that he's written that's turned into a movie. Um I don't know if, if that's like because the Watchmen he's, and Yeah, like he doesn't like any of them and and sure. I think I understand why. You know, he his belief is that the the medium that he writes for is comic books. It's not for movies. Sure. So I he doesn't he doesn't I, like I the was shocked number. A, that this film had actually been a graphic novel. I didn't even know that. John and I both had no idea. And, and so yeah. when we saw this on your list, we were like, oh my God, we love, I fucking love this movie. I also do. It's probably my favorite Johnny Depp movie. Um, it's it's like pre-Pirates of the Caribbean, like right before that. Yeah, this is, I, I think yeah. you're right, Joel. Like this is, obviously he was a force within Hollywood at this point, but... He wasn't what he was after Pirates of the Caribbean, which is... It's right before he became a caricature of himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just what I was about to say. I think that's one of the reasons I like it. I I think, you know, this is this is prime Johnny Depp just acting chops, not let me see, you know, how much of a character I can be in all of these, these uh, you know, all of the subsequent movies that came out. For sure. Like, this movie wouldn't be as good as it is if it came out now right because you would go oh johnny depp yeah and it's a real not that we don't love johnny depp but like again he's just become this like thing now I th- right I, I think the whole cast though i so... still love johnny depp i'm not gonna i'm not hating on him i'm just saying like 
So, but but he Alice in Wonderland. Fuck. He and Heather Graham. I'm not a huge, huge Heather well, Graham chemistry, fan. Chemistry, which I am because of License to Drive. I think the I reason I'm be. not is because I feel like Heather Graham is a character caricature of herself, and this film is very, hmm. very serious. Interesting. Uh, Fuck off, John. <laughs> this, this is a very serious film, but like she does a really great job. Like both, I think they both do, and the chemistry is honest and real. Dude, as Mary Kelly, like she fucking kills it. And you know what's funny is like this movie. Now that you, now that I know that it's like based on a graphic novel and comic book, it, it makes, makes a lot of sense, total yeah. fucking sense. And, and her, Ian, his Ian, acting and her acting and fucking Hagrid. Yeah, and Hagrid's yeah. in um, Robbie Coltrane. Robbie and Coltrane. Yeah, Ian Holm. Uh, fucking Frodo Baggins is in this man, and he's his character so Frodo. No, I'm sorry, not Frodo. Bilbo. Bilbo. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was like, wait, so, what? Yeah. yeah. Fucking Bilbo. Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta say, also, he, God damn, is he Holm. great in this? Scary. Yeah, as Ian Holm is a scary dude. Yeah. <laughs> He is, he, and he showed you that in fucking, you know, Lord of the Rings. And honestly, what that, that scene, fucking turn he does. Yeah, that is my favorite scene. Of, Give me the ring. Uh, that's my favorite scene of Lord of the Rings. He uh, is a scary dude, y'all. He is. You know that the the moment in From Hell where he, you know, they they do the effect where his eyes go all black. Yeah, and uh, I'm like, and he's just. He's fully immersed in his delusion yeah. where he's, you know, he's godlike. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like the scariest dude alive right now. It's uh, it, I loved it so much. It was I, great. I feel like we should give a quick synopsis of this film, though, because I do think that um, because of how mainstream this movie was, it was a costly one to make. And it came out in a time, you know, that it, it just it hit and it resonated. I think it was a, a big box office one. Um, this might've missed a lot of horror fans. So this is a, a Victorian era London like period piece. And it's, it's about a clairvoyant detective um, who is trying to track down Jack, the Jack, the Ripper essentially like that's the 40,000 foot level, but it's a whodunit film. And I think that there was a big departure of of the graphic novel because i don't think the graphic novel i didn't read it but from the research we were doing jamie um we found the graphic novel was not a whodunit right correct so the graphic novel i i haven't read it have did you joel are you familiar familiar with it i have read it and you you are correct it is loosely based on the on the comic so from what i had seen it's more the comic is more from the killer's pov um you don't even realize he's the jack he's Jack the Ripper until like, you know, the fifth comic. Right. What they, what they ended up doing, um, was they ended up combining, you know, the inspiration from the comic book, uh, with one of the more popular conspiracy theories on who Jack the Ripper was. Sure. Um, and, and it's still a popular conspiracy theory to this day. Um, and it, it it is one of the more interesting ones too, and and I think they do a great job of visualizing it in the movie, and and for myself, I think that's a great uh, decision. Only only in the respect that, um, even even when I was a kid, the the whole Jack the Ripper, like thing was interesting to me. So I had read some books about it, and I had read all of these theories on who who Jack the Ripper was. So when sure. this movie came along, it 
it was it was an interesting kind of interesting interpretation of it. So what's funny is uh, from what I from what I can tell is most people who love the graphic novels or the comics do not love the movie. But you're it seems like you do. Yeah, I do. And I, I think it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier uh, about, you know, I am ready and willing to suspend uh, not only suspend suspend belief, but like I want to see how people approach things like I'm, I'm open to to the experience and I know a lot of comic book folks, Marvel folks, Star Wars folks. I know Star Wars is sort of a comic book. You know, they get stuck in the uh, in the canon, you know, True. and and I don't care. It's, it's like comic books. You know, there's there at some point in time, there were eight different versions of Spider-Man comic books and they did not necessarily tie together. Uh, and I had no interest in trying to make them tie together in my head. I just enjoyed them for what they were. Yeah. So I, I fucking love this movie. Um, I had read that a lot of people, you know, didn't simply because it didn't follow the way the graphic novels go or comic books. I, I'm still not sure what these even are. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I love the story. I love the way it slowly unravels. Uh, you slowly get to the Freemasons thing. Um, the photography I, and the yeah, feel. I mean, yeah. I, and it's, also the way they make London seem like these like series of claustrophobic tunnels. Dude, I, I have that written right here. It's insane. I, I wonder exactly where they filmed at, at least like the scene. So many scenes occur in alleyways, um, and it's it's funny to you watch a movie like Home Alone two, and and you're like, okay, every shot is like the fucking Twin Towers or yeah. Statue of Liberty or this like grandiose. Uh, display and here they're in one of the most famous cities in the entire on the on the planet and they spend 60% of the film in alleyways because you know that's that's the cacophony of like where Jack the Ripper would you know navigate for yeah. his prey and you're in it and like you feel dude and, you're and you in feel it. like you're part of this band of um, these women that are trying to survive and this this fucking life they're for prostitutes them. but they don't really focus too much on that yeah yeah and it's just it's so their whole their you're, their you're story kind of, is so you're sad. in their world where like and on your fucking scene, team there's that scene where they're sleeping like together in like a little in, pile. like a, on yeah. a church pew yeah. and fucking they're held together by like a rope and that's what keeps them like able to sleep because they can lean against a rope and like lean on each other's shoulders yeah dude you're there. Like, you're it's in sad. it. It's fucking... It's sad. It's oppressive. It's fucking... Again, it's claustrophobic. And you're you're kind of tense and uptight the entire time. It, I, I fucking love this movie. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. One one small thing that I do like about the movie, too. As I recall, and I might be misrecalling uh, this, but, um, you know, the, the Hughes brothers, when they made the movie, you know, up to this point, they were known for just making, like, inner-city gang movies and um this movie was kind of like it was a challenge to these guys like people were like oh this is this is what you can make and they were like no we can do something else and and this movie came out and and they did they did show people like that they were true like directors and that they could do something other than you know inner city uh, gang movies and I really appreciated that um, quite a bit because like I said visually the movie 
looks solid to me. Like it looks like you're there and it, and everything feels good um, and authentic when you're watching it. It really does. Uh, apparently they had photos of the actual victims as well, oh, like strewn across like the set to kind of like get everyone uneasy. <laughs> uh, but I think this was filmed. If I'm, if I'm remembering what I read correctly, I think it was filmed at a soundstage in Prague. Oh, and it was filmed like the same place in time as, um, a night's tale. And, um, wow. Heather Graham met Heath Ledger and they started dating because they were like filming at the same place at the same time. Is this real or are you yeah. watching Days no, of Our I'm Lives again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that very, very well could be. Oh, shit. There, there's another interesting uh, thing that I just was reminded of. I looked up to verify. Um, so, so Marilyn Manson did the score for From Hell. And, oh, my uh, God. When he did, what? when they finished, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, when they finished the cut for it, they had him watch it, and uh, they threw in some of those nifty edits that they like to do, you know, like a one frame, two frame edit. And, oh, uh, like a subliminal message. Yeah, 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 and I can't remember what it was, but but uh, supposedly he caught them and and talked to the guys about him afterwards to see if he had imagined it or not. Oh and, shit. Uh, yeah, they, they said that, yeah, they threw him in there and he caught him. So it's kind of cool. So, Joel, this has been amazing, man. Um, so, again, we're going to release some details on social media, on Instagram, regarding a uh, giveaway we're going to do for Joel's recent crow print. Uh, so keep an eye out for details on that. Uh, very excited to do so. And, again, you can find Joel on Instagram or on his web store. So please, please... Uh, check out a traditional artist who's incredibly talented and we're humbled that you came here to spend some time with this man and appreciate you uh, opening our eyes to a, a different lens of horror. Thanks again for, for having me on the show. I, I hope I added something interesting uh, and it was great to meet and talk to you guys about movies. I love, love movies a bunch and uh, you know, uh, combining them with my other passion, which, which is art Um and also, you know, if we're all dads and, and, and trying to do all this stuff at, at, at once, I don't know. It's, it's great to, to have a little mini bonding session. I appreciate it. Yeah, for, for sure, man. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to push your stuff and, and share it as it uh, surfaces. So we appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Take care.